Genesis chapter 4 and verses 1 to 26. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain, for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to, his, to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is, is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me away uh, today, away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, Vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mehujalel, and Mehujalel fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Alyssa, thanks so much for reading for us and well done with the names. Um, let me pray first as we, as we begin. Father, you spoke and you brought uh, the planets into being. You separated um, the waters from the land. And Father, we pray as we have just heard your voice. And might we listen well? Might we not be those who have hard hearts, who do not listen to your voice? But might we be those who tremble at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question that uh, we are starting with this lunchtime is this. Uh, what does life without God look like? What does life without God 
look like? Uh, it may not be an easy question to answer. You see, much of Western society, it's built on Christian uh, principles and values. But you might say as well, the UK has begun its experiment on this question. I think over the past few decades, um, the UK has clearly become a secular nation. And what is life going to be like without God? That would be better or worse. And on a personal level, I wonder what you guys said in the discussion groups. Have you wondered whether life would be better without God? Let me share with you a friend of mine. His name is Edwin. And Edwin was my colleague when I was working in banking. And Edwin was a Christian like me. And we used to encourage one another to keep pressing on as Christians. But I clearly remember those ones where he, he rolled his chair and he came to my side and he kind of whispered under his breath and he said, you know, Joel, you know, sometimes I, I wonder what the, the life of sex, drugs and rock and roll, I mean, what that really is like, you know, to be the, the wolf on Wall Street. And maybe you're not so extreme as my friend Edwin. Uh, you don't want to be Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, but you, you think about the way people spend uh, their time, their money and values. Uh, people have time on Sundays, uh, not to go to church, but to pursue hobbies. The money to spend on uh, without uh, much control and values of different activities that you might not uh, participate in. And maybe there's a fear of missing out. And so have you wondered uh, what would life be without God? Well, I personally have. See, today we come to chapter four. Uh, and chapter four, I want to say, is a fascinating chapter uh, in Genesis. Uh, firstly, it's not often preached. I mean, I think most of us, most of us, we tend to know chapters two and three fairly well. But I want to argue that chapters four is part of the same unit as chapters two and three. Now, in the overview talk um, that you might have been during the first talk of the term, I mentioned that these are the generations of uh, a marker in, gener- in, in Genesis. So in chapter two, verse four, uh, you see there, these are the generations of. And chapter 5, verse 1, and these are the generations of Adam. See the point? Chapters 4 is, is tightly linked to chapters 2 and 3. And the question is why? Uh, why has the author put chapters 4 with chapters 2 and 3? And here's a suggestion that we're going to explore in the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, that's chapters 4, 1 to 16 like the first half of chapter 4, is an evil mirror of chapter 3. And chapters 4, 17 to 24, the second half of chapter 4, is an evil mirror of chapter chapter 2. And together, the whole of chapter 4, well, it gives us a picture of life without God. Let's see how it works. If you're following the handout, we're on point 1. And that is achieving a life without God. See, in the last scene uh, that we ended in chapter 3, we saw an angel with a flaming sword guarding the way back to the garden in Eden. Uh, You can imagine Adam and Eve, after being cast out of the garden, perhaps they didn't go very far, maybe 30 or 40 yards from the garden, and perhaps hoping to get back in one day. Um, Over some time, they, they had some kids. Two boys, Cain and Abel. And the boys, they, they grow up uh, trying to get back into the garden. Cain, we, we read that he, he brought some fruit from, his, from the ground. And Abel, he brings his prized animal 
Uh, you can imagine both of them coming near to, to the gate. Uh, they can feel the heat coming from the flaming sword of the angel, and they, they leave their offerings there, and they, they start to back away, uh, hoping that their offerings might be acceptable. Well, what happened? Well, look to verse 4. For me, and the Lord have regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Well, why? Um, why is that the case? Well, it's, it's not because God hasn't learned the joys of being a vegan. He doesn't enjoy fruits. But I think the author tells us why. Uh, look at verse 4. See, Abel, he, he brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. See, the firstborn there, that's the choice pick of the flock. Um, and the fat, I know we remove the fat uh, from the meat that we eat these days, but in the, in the ancient world, uh, the fat, that's the best bit. Well, fat is flavor. And so I think the point that the author is trying to tell us that is that Abel, he, he offered the best and Cain didn't. And God, if you like, he confirms that in verse 7. He says, well, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Um, how did Cain respond? Now listen to the description in, in verse 4. Sorry, verse 5. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Now he was very angry and his face fell. Now why do you think uh, Cain was, was angry? Well, I think the, the, the only reason I could think of was that Cain, well, he probably thought that he should be acceptable. Um, he, he probably thought that he, he should be accepted on his own terms. And he gets angry when God doesn't agree. And the conversation that follows next is, is most profound. Uh, in chapters one to, sorry, chapters three, verse one to six, we saw serpent and woman. And serpent was lying to women, deceiving her to rebel against God. But in chapter four, our passage, verse six, uh, what do we see? We see a dialogue between God and Cain. Uh, God is like a caring father, warning Cain in person, persuading him, trying to reason with him because, be, uh, before he goes further. And you will think, I mean, if the creator God, he tries to reason with you, well, you, you will listen to him. Uh, but no, that's not what happens. In two, two verbs uh, we see in verse 8. Cain, he rose up against his brother and killed him. Uh, I mentioned at the start of the talk, um, chapter 4 is functioning a bit like an evil mirror to, to chapter 3. Uh, it's similar, but more sinister and more evil. And you can see that in the handout, and let me put it up on screen as well. Uh, you can see very similar patterns that happen in chapter 3, likewise in chapter 4. Uh, chapter 3, um, God asks Adam, where are you? Uh, chapter 4, verse 9, God speaks to Cain, where is, your, where is Abel, your brother? Chapter 3, verse 13, he speaks to women and he asks her, what have you done? He goes to Cain and asks, what have you done? As a result of fall, Adam and Eve, they get cursed. Likewise, chapter 4, verse 11, Cain likewise gets cursed. 3, 24, he gets cast out east. And likewise, Cain as well gets cast out east. You see, the, the author is very clearly um, getting us to compare and see the similarities of what's happening um, between the Cain and Abel narrative with Adam and Eve. And I think the point is this. 
that in chapter four, we are experiencing another fall. I mean, humanity is really fallen. But the, the differences between the passage, I want to suggest, is, is more interesting, if you like, more sinister. Uh, a bit earlier, we, we talked about how Cain, he was more culpable. Um, instead of having a dialogue with the serpent, he was having a conversation with God, trying to reason with him, yet he still chose to kill his brother. But he was also more defiant. Uh, look at chapter 3, verse 10 in your Bibles. See, when God asked Adam, where are you? Well, he, Adam admits, like when he heard the sound of you in the garden, he was afraid. But look at how Cain responds in our passage, chapter 4, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And you can hear the tone and the, the, the defiance in Cain's voice as he responds to God. I'm much more defiant than his father. But not only that, he gets, he's more cursed um, than, than his father. Uh, look at chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, the ground gets cursed uh, when God says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. But in chapters 4, in our passage, verse 11, uh, God says to Cain, now you, uh, you, Cain, are cursed. A curse to be a fugitive and a wanderer. And Cain, he, he's full of self-pity. Uh, in chapter 3, when God pronounced the curses on man and women, uh, we don't hear a response by Adam and Eve after that, uh, presumably then accepting the just consequences. But look at how Cain responds in verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can, I can bear. See, Cain, he, he doesn't repent, uh, but he complains about his punishment. See, he complains about being killed when he just killed his own brother. But we see his parents accepting the consequences, but we see Cain complaining. And um, the, the fact that God responds to him and puts a mark of protection on him is a picture of utter grace from God to Cain. And lastly, as Adam and Eve, they cast out of the garden, Cain, he gets cast out of Eden further than the garden. You see what the author is doing? He's putting chapters uh, 3 and 4 uh, side by side for us to compare and to contrast. It's similar to show us that something um, horrible is happening. Um, it's another fall. But it's also different to show that this fall is much more sinister. Uh, there are steps taken to be further cast out of God's presence. See, the, the differences, uh, they show the steps that humanity has taken to achieve a life without God. And so has, how has our world, humanity, achieved a life without God? See, like Cain, uh, we like to think that we are acceptable. Uh, we think that God should accept us on our own terms. Uh, we like to think I'm a decent person. Uh, like Cain, we, we get offended and get angry when we are told that we are not good enough. We say, how dare you say that I'm not good enough? Like Cain, we are defiant and unrepentant even when our sins are laid bare. And we say, well, nobody's perfect. Why should I be? And like Cain, we, we experience self-pity. We think that we humans, we are the victim in the Bible story. 
We say, if God is so good, then why shouldn't he save everyone? See, Cain and our world has successfully achieved a life without God. And there's a real progression from last week. Last week, we saw our world taking on the belief system of the serpent. But this week, we have taken a giant step away from God. We are further cast out. And it's worth pausing and asking yourself, well, do you recognize a bit of yourself in Cain? Are you consciously or unconsciously taking baby steps away from God? Do you think that you are acceptable to God? Do you get offended when you hear that you're not good enough? Do you remain defiant and unrepentant? Or do you think that you are a victim in all of this? But remember, our big question for for today is, what does life without God look like? See, we've learned how to achieve it uh, through Cain. But what is the experience of life without God? And that's where we come to our second point for today. Flourishing without God. What might you expect life without God to look like? And maybe there's a bit of surprise in our passage today, that we see amazing technological progress. I look to verse 17. Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bought Enoch. And when he had built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Ered, Ered fathered, fathered Mehujel, Mehujel fathered Metushel, Metushel fathered Lamech. Lamech took, took two wives. The name of one was Ada and the other was Zillah. Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwelt in tents and had livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lie and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Neymar. And what do we see? Uh, we see amazing technological advancement. Cain, you see, he built a city in his lifetime, uh, which is really impressive. Or should he have done so? Uh, that's questionable. And he wasn't meant to wander. God cursed him to wander, but he built a city. But by the seventh generation, uh, we see amazing progress. Uh, Jabal, uh, the father of agriculture, who dwelt in tents and have livestock. Uh, if you have a job in agriculture or in trading, uh, you pay homage to, to Jabal. Uh, and we see Jubal, uh, the father of music, of the lyre and the pipe. If you're Beethoven or you whistle or you sing in the shower, uh, you need to pay homage to Jubal. Or if you're Tubal Cain, I mean, that's a great name, <laughs> the father of engineering bronze and iron instruments. If you own a car, well, pay homage to Tubal Cain. See, it's technological proliferation, amazing technological advancement just in seven, seven generations. And it's no different from what we see in the world today. Um, the world without God, what is it like? It's impressive. A hugely advanced technological advancement. And perhaps that's not a surprise. Um, we, we remember that humans, man was made an image of God. And so we retain his creative abilities. And so we see a very similar picture to what happened in chapter, chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2, we, we saw that humanity was meant to flourish, to work the ground, to expand the garden. And we saw Adam taking care of the livestock by naming them. And here we see a similar sort of flourishing huge advancement in technology and multiplication. But I, I mentioned at the start 
that there are differences. See, this, this section here, it's an evil mirror of, of chapter 2. It's twisted, it's a corrupted, a perverted version, a picture of chapter 2. See, instead of one man and one woman in chapter 2, we have one man and two women in our passage. Look at verse 19. And Lamech, he took two wives. The name of one was Ada and the other Zillah. Instead of singing a song to his wife about her creation, as we saw in chapter 2, Lamech, he sings a song to his wives about himself, about vengeance and violence. Look to verse 23. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And did you also notice how uh, Lamech, he, he perverts God's gracious protection on Cain? See, Cain's vengeance in verse 15 was against anyone who kills Cain. But in verse 23, Lamech's vengeance is on anyone who simply wounds him or strikes him. And the young man there might just be a youth, a youth for striking him. He kills and he enacts vengeance. And likewise, Cain's vengeance is sevenfold. Lamech, he boasts that his vengeance is seventy-sevenfold. And you might imagine Lamech, he's using the tools, the bronze tools that his son Tubal-Cain made to kill people. So, it's very similar to chapter 2, a flourishing, a technological advancement, but in a twisted, corrupted, perverted sort of way. And that's what we see as humanity takes a big step away from its creator. We see flourishing and retaining some of the attributes of being made an image of God. But we also see evil and chaos ensuing, using impressive technology to inflict chaos on people. And what is life without God like? Well, it's human flourishing with chaos ensuing. Human flourishing with chaos ensuing. Think about the the origin readers, the Israelites, as they look at their pagan neighbors. They were flourishing, prosperous, technologically advanced, but you see, this picture here, he lifts the lid of what really is happening in the background. A chaos and violence that these societies were built on. Well, how about us? In many ways, we are not like the ancient pagan nations. And you might say that we are more civilized than them. And that's definitely true. Well, although you might argue that Western society is, is built on Christian values. But think also about the recent history that has gone by. Uh, the invention of gunpowder, uh, we use it to shoot others. Uh, we learn how to split an atom, and we learn how to kill millions of people. But also think about the corporate world that we are in, uh, the prosperity, the technological advancement at its, at its peak. But think about what my friend Edwin said. Uh, curious about what it's like to be the wolf on Wall Street. And if you watched the movie, you saw the carnage that that brought the greed and the exploitation of others, the sexual abuse that happens in the offices, the abuse of power and the using of others. 
and it's human flourishing, but with immense chaos. I think about your own workplace, um, the boasting of human achievement, taking advantage of others, the pride, the arrogance, the, the egos, are very successful, no doubt, but with much chaos. And that is life without God. Uh, it's human flourishing with chaos ensuing. And no matter how technologically advanced we get as a human race, as long as we humans, we are in the world, a chaos will ensue. See, because technology cannot fix the issue of the human heart. Um, this country, the United Kingdom, has started an ex experiment of being a secular nation, and time will tell what happens 20, 30 years from now. And have you wondered what life without God will be like? I wonder what you guys said to each other in the breakout groups, but I would recommend not to try it out because you have been, you've been shown in our passage today. And you may see human flourishing, but there would be definitely the experience of chaos. So what are we left with? Um, how do we deal with the state that humanity is in? Uh, we need to look at verse 25. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. What do we need? Uh, we need Seth, another offspring of the women, to defeat the serpent's offspring. But also we need verse 26. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. We need people to call upon the Lord's name. But more on that next week. Let me pray first as we close. Father, thank you for the glimpse that we see that life without you is one of chaos. We do pray, Father, that we might heed the warning in this story. Please, Father, will you help us to see that life with you is much better. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.